0: Would you just pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, uh, we know that you're good, and uh, whether or not that we grew up with good dads here on earth or not, we can know that you're good because you told us, your son told us that you're a good father. And we know that uh, whether or not that we grew up in a good home here on earth, Lord, that uh, the home that you're preparing for us is good. And that you've been working on it for quite a while. And Lord, uh, I know that in in a lot of your people, you put a great desire in us to be there, to be with you. And I know for others, Lord, uh, who are maybe new to the faith and uh, maybe growing in their understanding of what your word, what you've said about home, about heaven, uh, there's some uncertainty. And so, Lord, I pray that today um, that there might be some reassurance Uh, from your word, that heaven is a good place and not a place to be uh, afraid of, but a place that uh, our hearts will finally be at rest and our hearts will long for until we get there. Uh, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. My hope, the good news about heaven. Uh, Last week, Jason introduced this new uh, message series uh, to you and talking about, uh, is it important for us to really believe uh, that there's heaven, uh, that there's life after death, and that there's a real place uh, where we'll dwell with God eternally? And uh, of course, the answer was yes, it does make a difference. It does matter that we believe in a heaven, because it makes a difference on how we live here on earth, contrary to what maybe a lot of uh, Marxism and Karl Marx would have said to us uh, many years ago. And so uh, this idea of talking about heaven, uh, our hope, uh, I think sometimes uh, we run it, we run into folks within the church that it's not uh, something that's always looked forward to with hope. And, and today I want to share with you some good news about heaven. And it comes from First Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, describing what it will be like for us uh, when we are in heaven. And I think there's a lot of questions. I know sometimes when we see movies or depictions of life after death, um, you know, it's Hollywood and they're trying to do pictures, so it's not always easy to translate language into pictures. And so sometimes it's diminished and sometimes it comes from other views, other religious worldviews. And uh, sometimes what I've seen is uh, life after death, uh, you know, there's the floating ball of light and it goes towards the greater, great big ball of light. and, And I'm just going, man... I don't want to be a ball of gas after I'm dead. I mean, that just doesn't sound exciting. And, uh, and, and what I've read in the scriptures, though, is that there's something quite different than a floating ball of gas after, after life. And uh, in fact, uh, what's talked about is a resurrected body. And What is this resurrected body going to be like for us and is there any details that we can know about this? And there, there are some things that are described and right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so I want to share this with you and uh, what it's leading up to. But I think what I need to do is just first read uh, this because there's so much from it that I can't talk about all of it. And, and there's so much context that I'd like you to know. Uh, so the first part of uh, 1 Corinthians 15 Uh, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians who are struggling with a lot of things in their church, a lot of uh, misinformation. Uh, They're also struggling with other doctrines, other beliefs that are coming in from the world around them. And kind of people are confused. There's people who have said that Jesus has already come back, uh, that there is no resurrection of the dead. Uh, They're saying things like this. So Paul reiterates from the very beginning of the chapter saying, this is the gospel, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. These things happen We testified to them we saw this and uh, we're here to say that the resurrection is real and uh, it's part of the gospel and uh, if we don't have this hope in the resurrection we're to be pitied above all other people because if uh, the resurrection did not happen then we are just following a useless faith it's no good and uh, people should feel sorry for us and pity us for being fools if there is no resurrection. But Paul certifies and says, no, there is a resurrection, and we testify to this. And uh, part of the, the audience that he's talking to has been affected by uh, some different Greek ideas that have been going on. One is Stoicism, the other is Epicureanism, and then uh, Gnosticism. And Stoicism is probably the oldest uh, of the, some of the Greek philosophies, and it's this idea that... Um, the world uh, has, uh, well, let me start with Epicureanism. Epicureans, uh, they were kind of materialists of the day. You know, uh, what you see is all there is, and so we might as well enjoy it. And, and pleasure is a good thing, so let's enjoy what we eat, enjoy the, the things around us, and let's live it up. And they're the ones who would say, uh, you know, let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's where that, that, that came from, that kind of line of thought from those folks, and there's still folks today that live that way, materialist and naturalist around us, and uh, that's the way they think. You know, when you die, uh, you're going to turn back to dust, and that's that. No more afterlife, anything like that. And uh, there were even uh, some uh, Jewish people that believed that way. The Sadducees believed in no resurrection. Uh, so this was a thought, and it was penetrating the church. Again, Paul had addressed it. Uh, there was the Stoics, who were the opposite side of the Epicureans. They... They believe that, that yes, all there is is what's here on earth, but um, we want to be free, and our will is important, and so we want to keep our freedom, and sometimes when you indulge in pleasures, they trap you, and you're not free anymore, and so their thing was, we're going to kind of divorce ourselves from pleasure or any kind of extreme emotions, and uh, today you might see that with some folks that practice a, a version of Buddhism. Uh, kind of uh, trying to uh, rise above uh, emotionalism and things like that into a different plane. And, uh, um, and so that was one thought that was also uh, enveloped and, and starting to go into the church. And then the other thought, uh, what did I say, Gnosticism. Yes, and Gnosticism, and that kind of came from the Stoics where, uh, you know, no, yeah, from the Stoics who were kind of saying, yeah, pleasure is bad, uh, it'll corrupt you. And uh, the Gnostics took it one step further and they said, All, everything material is evil. Everything uh, that is uh, flesh, your flesh is evil. And uh, kind of the idea, uh, a Plato idea was that in heaven, that's where the real things are. Here on earth are the copies of it. And so um, th- what we have here on earth is just a shadow. And so the Gnostics uh, were more of that mindset and they said that um, Jesus, he didn't come in the flesh, that he was only a spirit because if he was flesh, he would add evil on him and he can't be God and be evil at the same time. And so then also when he resurrected, uh, it wasn't a resurrected body, it was uh, a spirit. He just resurrected in spirit. And Paul's like, no, 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 that's not what happened. And so here's... Some more of the description of what uh Paul was saying. And I'll just uh finish with some of his words here. I was just telling the, the first service, I'm I'm getting forty-five year old eyes and I'm starting not to be able to see the little numbers on my page here. So um uh let's see. And for us, uh, this is around verse 30, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fall, well, no, that wasn't it. Okay. All right. right. Let's get that. Anyway, he's talking about resurrection. It's really good. It's wonderful. Uh, you got to believe it if you're a Christ follower. And then he comes to the part that I want to get to and talk about here is what will that resurrection be like? All right. So you have to read it for yourself. I can't find it right at this moment because of my eyes. So... Um, but here in verse uh, 20, no, 30, yeah, 35, I'm guessing. Um, anyway, <laughs> you, can look, uh, if you can look it up yourself. 1 Corinthians 15, right around 35. I want to read this part. Again, the context is important. But someone might ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps a wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he is determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals another, birds another, fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. The star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised as a spiritual body. If there is a natural body there is also a spiritual body so it is written the first man adam became a living being the last adam a life giving spirit jesus the spiritual did not come first but the natural and after the spiritual the first man adam was of the dust of earth the second man jesus was from heaven as was the earthly man so are those who are of the earth and is the man from heaven so also are those who are of heaven and here's uh, an important verse. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, Adam, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven, Jesus. We'll come back to that in a moment. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now that, that's a little bit of a scratch your head kind of thing because uh, Jesus, he did rise with a physical body. So, if flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God, how does that work? We'll come back to that too. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? So, what we're talking about here, you know, we, we talk about changing life as we know it through love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ. We're talking about now the ultimate change that's going to happen and the ultimate change when Jesus changes our earthly bodies into these new resurrected bodies now one other thing we need need to share with you before we go on with this is that uh, when I say body uh, not always meaning uh, a body like flesh and bones but like a body of water or there's the heavenly bodies these group of stars uh, that body kind of a container or a element of of something that holds or is is a whole Uh, so sometimes that, that word is used that way the other thing is that flesh um, a lot of times, in uh, we, we think of flesh. We think flesh and bone, flesh and blood, and that's one definition. The other definition of flesh is a spiritual flesh, talking about uh, the carnality of man, the sinful nature of men. And so, uh, there's there's two different definitions of flesh. And so, just we might have to distinguish that when we're looking here in First Corinthians 15. So, uh, first thing, uh, what will it be like for us when we're changed into these? Uh, new bodies? Uh, well, verse 49, we'll be changed into the likeness of the man from heaven, from Jesus. And that's the good news about this, because uh, that means we're not going to be little floating balls of gas. And I'm excited about that part, because I don't want to be a floating ball of gas. And 42 and verses 43 talks about this change, the change from perishable to imperishable dishonor to glory weakness to power natural to spiritual and when we look at our own bodies we can recognize that i mean this body i got is not going to last like sue was sharing with the kids it's going to die and and also just that there is weakness in my body i'm you know past couple of weeks i've been struggling with a cold and sickness disease those kind of things plague us and our bodies here on earth But when they're raised, instead of weakness, there's going to be power. We won't be struggling with sickness and disease any longer. The natural body, there's only things that I can do uh, that are limited by the natural laws of this world. I can't walk on water. I can't heal the sick. Those kind of things. Those are miraculous things that are supernatural. And Jesus, the second Adam, was able to do that. But when we are raised, we'll be given these spiritual bodies instead of natural bodies. And uh, it's, it's uh, described as one kind of splendor. And uh, the example that Paul was using was uh, heavenly uh, bodies, uh, talking about stars, talking about the sun, the moon. When we look at the moon, maybe think of a uh, natural body. Uh, the moon has one kind of splendor. Uh, it reflects light and it's beautiful. Uh, but when we go to the sun, there's a different kind of splendor. Uh, It's beautiful, uh, and and it gives its own light. In that sense, maybe we can think of uh, natural and uh, uh, spiritual, uh, two different bodies, both splendor. And with this statement also, Paul is saying that, look, the flesh and bone is not evil. The material world is not evil. God created and made it good, he said, after he made it in Genesis and so we're, we're not going with the Gnostics who say everything material is evil. We're not going that route because God made things good. This is good. Now, we do have the spiritual flesh, that sinful nature, which is not good. That's, that's the trouble. That's been our whole problem. That's why Jesus came. So, but there's a difference there. So he's saying with this splendor, it, there's splendor with the natural body, but there's even a greater splendor with this spiritual body so this change what will it be like what will be like he describes it as a seed being planted in the ground i was going to try to bring a shrub today and 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 haul it in here Um, but i I was on a trip with my daughter to ireland just got back i'm tired and time changed and i'm all whacked out so no shrub today but what i was going to say with the shrub i got this azalea shrub in my yard and it's beautiful and but i want more of them and so to get more of them Uh, you know, I could uh, just take that whole shrub, pull it out of the ground, and then bury it. I'll bury the whole shrub. Will that produce me another shrub just like it? No. No, it won't. Instead, the concept that we have from nature and the concept that Paul is talking about here is that we have seeds. And seed is, is one kind of body. You put it in the ground, it dies, but then it comes alive again. And as it comes alive, it produces a, a, a plant or a, a form, a body. And each different seed has a different form. So I could find seeds and I could plant a seed, uh, one kind of seed, and it'll produce a pine tree. I could put in another kind of seed, it'll produce an orange tree. Both very different forms in how they look. And he said this is what is going to happen with the natural body. That the natural body is destined to die. It is perishable. But God is going to raise it imperishable and that there's going to be something from that seed of this natural body that is going to help produce the supernatural or the spiritual body. <clears throat> and in this, this is, this is the idea here that, that God is really the first one who came up with the idea of recycling. Uh, there is something of us that is going to be recycled, not totally done away with. And, uh, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, but the song that Nikki sang, when I think of home, what, what, what kind of things do you think of when you think of home, especially when we're coming up to Thanksgiving and Christmas, what do you think of? Family, yeah, being with people that you know you, uh, and, and uh, I, I, I think of food, I think of good food around uh, this time, and those are all wonderful things. You know, when we talk about uh, home, thank you, Tim, appreciate that. When we talk about home, I think of uh, going and being with people that I, I, have known me for a long time, uh, knew me in my growing up days. For those of you who have had the privilege of maybe living in one place for a while, growing up in one area, uh, people know you, you grow up, and, and so when you say that you're going to do something, uh, they know you mean it because they've seen you for 18 years or whatever. Uh, and that's the hardest thing when you move away. When you move away from home and you go someplace new, uh, people don't know you, and they're not sure about your character. Can they trust you? And so it's one of the most wonderful things when you go home and you're with people that know you. And, uh, and, and along with that, there's, there's you know, your family that know you. you know Your family knows the, the best and the worst of you, and yet they still love you. And that's a wonderful thing about home. And, and uh, I think the other thing I think of uh, with home, uh, especially in the holiday season, I think of good food. And I, I love to eat. And uh, that, that shows. And uh, with eating, uh, there's something wonderful about that fellowship. When you get together with family, uh, there's something in every culture. When you share a meal together, it's a beautiful thing. And one of the things that I see in these descriptions about what this change is going to happen for us uh, about home is that there's still going to be recognition. Uh, there's still going to be this beautiful fellowship, like, like the fellowship that happens around a meal and a table. And uh, it's here in the scriptures. Here, and uh, with this change in the, I mentioned the seed, uh, but there's also like this change of clothing. Uh, it's uh, taking off something and putting on something. And uh, and we saw in verse 49 where it says, "Will we change into the likeness of the man from heaven?" That's Jesus. And uh, so, what was Jesus' resurrected body like? That's what we need to look at if we want to know what it's going to be like for us what was his resurrected body like? Well, one of the first things you got to know is, again, with what Paul started with, uh, is that he really did resurrect a physical body. Okay, There was something to it, uh, something solid. Uh, and at the same time, uh, it wasn't flesh and blood because we read that uh, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, it's perishable. And so... Somehow this resurrected body was different. Uh, now, First John four verses two and three says that that if we're believers, that we have to recognize that Jesus, He came in the flesh; He really was born uh, with human humanness, uh, with the human flesh. And it says if we don't acknowledge this, that, that the truth is not in us. Uh, in 1 John four verses two and three, and then John 1:14 says that the Word was with God; the Word was there in the beginning. And in verse 14, the word became flesh. So Jesus really did take on flesh and bone and blood like we have. Okay, And that's good news for us. That's part of the good news because when he resurrected, it, it means that this, this stuff can be resurrected and changed. And it can be changed into something uh, imperishable, immortal. And so when we look at Jesus, uh, his resurrection... Uh, What was his body like? Well, Luke 24, verse 39, uh, the disciples, he shows up with the disciples in a room, and the disciples are freaked out. Why are they freaked out? Because I saw you die on a cross. I I saw the place where you were put in a tomb, and you were dead. I I, I can verify that. But now you're talking to me. You're right here in front of me. And at first they said, they were worried that he was a ghost. And what did Jesus say to them to reassure them? said, I'm not a ghost. Does a ghost have bones, flesh and bones like I have? Flesh and bones like I have. So again, there's some, something to this resurrected body. It's not the same old flesh and blood, but it is some sort of flesh and it is some sort of bone there. And I don't know how that works, but it is. He was solid. He, there was something material to him. And one of the things, of course, he said to Thomas was, What? Reach out and touch these scars in my hand. Uh, and in fact, uh, John the Apostle testifies this in first John one. He says, We've heard him, we've seen him, we've touched him. He he resurrected physically. Also there in Luke 24, after he says, you know, hey, reach out and touch me, I'm here, I'm real, flesh and bone. He says, "Uh, "Has anybody got something to eat? And they give him a piece of fish and he eats it right in front of them. So I don't know how this works. Uh, Not the usual flesh and blood. You know, we need a circulatory system to digest our food. You know, blood goes around the stomach and and the intestines and takes all the nutrients from the food and delivers it to the rest of our body. So I don't know how that works without a blood system or or there's some sort of new system that's different with this resurrected body. But Jesus ate some food. And I'm glad about that because, again, I I love eating. And uh, there's this idea that, you know, I mean, uh, you know, food is a comfort to many of us. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, survivalists and Boy Scouts, they always tell you, if you get lost in the woods, one of the things that you want to do, first thing, you want to start a fire. Something, something about a fire that's very comforting. You also hope that, you know, when you always go on a hike, you always take some food with you, some sort, you know, a little power bar or whatever, and you eat that food, and there's something just about eating and sitting by a fire. It's very comforting. It's very reassuring. It's like, not, not all is lost, and, uh, and there's something wonderful about that with uh, sharing a meal. And so I'm excited that these res- resurrected bodies can eat. And uh, because, you know, there's something, uh, you know, why did God give us taste buds? He didn't have to. We didn't need it for our survival, really. I mean, there's maybe some super evolutionists that will say, yes, you needed taste buds because you can tell when you're eating poison or whatever, but, but not really, not really. I mean, we didn't really need it for ultimate survival. And, and again, some of the things we eat and the seasoning and spicing that people have come up with in these different, different recipes, man, I, it, it causes me to worship God when I eat some really great food. I just go, Lord, this is so good. Thank you for taste buds and thank you for food. And so uh, one of the descriptions of heaven, of home, is that it's going to be a wedding feast, a wedding feast. And Jesus said to his disciples, I will not drink of this vine, Uh, of this cup until I'm with you again in heaven. And so there's going to be some drinking and eating. Again, I don't know what kind of drinking and eating goes with this resurrected body, but it's there and it's described, and I'm excited about that. And uh, now one of um, the same time, at the same time that there's some things that are very familiar with this resurrected body, you could touch it, uh, there's something solid about it. He was eating, he was drinking. That's all very familiar to us, and that's great because uh, you know, change is kind of scary and we do want something familiar. Yet at the same time, there's something very different because Jesus was appearing and disappearing with this body. And that, that's not something we can do with our natural bodies, is it? Uh, uh, you know, he was walking along the road uh, to Emmaus with two disciples, talking with them. And they didn't recognize him at first. Now, it kind of seems like the recognition part was on them because when they get to a table at the inn and, the, and Jesus does his usual breaking the bread and giving thanks in the way that he's always done, they recognize that. And then it says that their eyes were open and they recognized him. So I guess it was something with them, but it makes me wonder, was there something different about this resurrected body? Um, but there obviously was in the next moment because in the next moment he disappears right before their very eyes. And that's kind of cool, too, because I, I get excited about the whole beam me up, uh, you know, that Star Trek, you know, what, what do you call it when you, they call it, it's not a transporter, It's. it was, I don't know what it was. Don't we have any Trekkies here? Gosh, come on. Uh, okay, all right, something like that. I, I don't think they call it a teleporter in Star Trek, but, but it was something, it, yeah, that's. That's our general description for right now. But I'm excited about that, that Jesus was doing this kind of stuff with this resurrected body. And, and John 20, verse 26, of course, these uh, guys in Emmaus, they run the seven miles back to Jerusalem. They start telling the other disciples as they're talking to the other disciples. Poof, Jesus appears in the room, says he's standing among them, even though the doors were locked. That's John 20, verse 26. So there's something different about this resurrected body. It's changed. It's different. But yet, there's some familiar things to it. Now, when Jesus appeared, one of the things that he said to them, he didn't say, hey, look at my face. He didn't say that to the disciples. He didn't say, look at me. It really is me. See, it's Jesus. I resurrected from the dead. He didn't say that. Instead, what did he say? Look at my hands and my feet. And there were scars there. Scars there. Now, With this resurrected body, there was something of it that he kept from the old. He kept those scars because he wanted us to recognize him by those scars. And, And I think there's a message in those scars that says, I love you. This is how much I love you. I gave myself up for you. That's how much I love you. But there's something very interesting about that because there's a part of his humanness that has been immortalized, something that will never perish And of course, we're going to talk about this in our next series on the Incarnation coming up to Christmas, but we're going to be talking about Jesus coming, taking on this human form, but when He did take on this human form, He took it on forever, for eternity. There was something familiar because He still had this humanness about this human form in His resurrected body. When He ascended into heaven, He took that human form with Him, and again, the scars along with it. So, I believe that from this, if we are to be resurrected, and to be resurrected in His likeness as the man from heaven, that there is a part of our human form that's not going to disappear. It will still be the same. Yes, it will be a seed, and it's going to come up out of the ground in some form that's different, but there's something going to be retained of our humanness. Something that God said, when I made you, I made you like this forever, it's meant to be immortal. And if you trust Me with your life and My blood covers you, it will become immortal. Not perishable. There's something about Jesus and Him calling us to recognize Him. Recognition is an important thing. Like I said about going home, being recognized by people that know you. I think that there's something important about recognition. In fact, Jesus in, in John seventeen three says that Knowing God, the one true God, and knowing Him is eternal life. Knowing Him. And uh, knowing others. I believe that the knowing of others won't be taken from us when we're resurrected. I know sometimes uh, people have asked me, will will we recognize our family members and those who have gone on before us? And uh, my answer is undeniably, yes. Yes, you will. Think about this. uh, In Luke 9, verse uh, 31 uh, there's a description of the transfiguration when Jesus uh, uh, took on that splendor of heaven for a few moments that he had put off to come to earth and when he did there there's two other guys that showed up with him and he had a conversation with them. do you remember who the two guys were yeah Moses and Elijah and the scripture says that Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor now, how did now, Peter, James and John were the only ones there to witness this and to record it? How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? I mean, they never met, met the guys. I mean, they, they lived and died long before Peter James and John ever came around. Uh, they didn't have photography, and in fact, uh, you know you might, well, maybe they drew some pictures and they passed them on. Well, I, you know I've studied ancient art, and, and realism really wasn't going on back at the time of Moses and Elijah and so uh, it wouldn't have been a detailed enough picture I think to really uh, for someone to recognize so there was something supernatural going on there where there was a supernatural recognition a spiritual recognition where Peter James and John who had never met Elijah, Elijah and Moses was able to go that's Elijah and Moses and there was a knowing a recognition And I don't believe that that knowing and recognition, I I believe that that's going to be with us when we're in our resurrected bodies. We're going to know and recognize those that we have known here on earth, and we're going to recognize and know people that we hadn't met here on earth, those who went on before us and died. It's an amazing thing. So we'll be changed from this earthly splendor, splendor to a heavenly splendor, yet there'll still be a recognition and a, a supernatural ability to recognize one another. And I guess, you know, the big question, and these are some things that uh, that I believe uh, from 1 Corinthians 15 that describe to us a, a bit of what it will be like for us. What it will be like for us. And I guess, you know, are you ready? Are you ready for a changing of life as we know it like that? The ultimate change. It's going to happen in a twinkling of the eye. As it's described in the Scripture. And it begins when we put our full trust In Jesus Christ, in what He did for us. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. And He calls us to recognize that we're all more wicked than we thought, but yet we're more loved than we ever hoped. And we're called to recognize that and change and follow Him. And the change starts with trusting Jesus Christ. Eternal life is knowing Him. How how can you trust somebody that you don't know? It's nearly impossible. We don't like to do that as humans. In fact, we're very skeptical people here in, in the States and in the Western world uh, because of all the hucksters and salesmen and things like that. But it's still uh, there's an earthly principle that's still kind of a heavenly principle. And, and it's, it's not what you do, but it's who you know. And that's how heaven works. We don't get to heaven by what we do, by being good. We get to heaven by who we know and knowing Jesus And so uh, it's important that we know Him and trust Him. But but how do you trust somebody that you don't know? I I would encourage you to begin by reading these Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the eyewitnesses to His life, death, and resurrection. And these were the men that were with Him day in and day out for over three years. And they they saw how He spoke to other people, how He spoke to them, how He interacted and related. They saw His actions and what He did. And they verify and testify he was the real deal. He was what he said he was. He was the Son of God. And I believe that when you read the Gospels, these accounts from the first believers, the first disciples, you'll come to know him and understand that he wants to relate to you in the same way that he related to those first disciples. And that's how trust, how we can get that trust. And that trust will become faith. Nate uh, is going to come on up and lead us in some more worship right now. But when we hear Jesus, when we come to trust Him and know Him, and we hear Him say, follow me, when you know Him, when you trust Him, you won't won't look over your shoulder. Were you talking to me? When you said, follow me, you're probably talking to those other guys, right? But when we come to know Him, like these first disciples did, and know that he's, He's trustworthy, when He says, follow me, we won't be looking over our shoulders. We'll, we'll be going, you know what? I only got two responses to this. Yes, I will follow you, though none go with me. Or, no, I'm not, Jesus. I'm not going to do it. The two answers. But when we answer in the affirmative and say, yes, I'll follow you, though none go with me, though the world does not, I'll follow you. That's when the change begins in us. The transformation of a heart his spirit indwelling in us, a regeneration of what was not there is suddenly there. And that's the beginning of change. But it will end with a final change on that final day when the last trumpet blows, and we're and, and our bodies will follow, these resurrected bodies will be transformed, along with our spirit that has been transformed, into his likeness. And that is the hope of the gospel. You're not going to be a floating ball of gas. It's going to be much better than that. Much better. you got something to look forward to. The hope of heaven. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that, that you give us your word, that you tell us what it's going to be like, that, that we don't have to be afraid of what's ahead of us. Lord, thank you for the hope of the resurrection. Thank you for Jesus that, that you went ahead of us on this path of resurrection and we can look at You and know what it will be like. Lord, thank You. We trust You and we believe You. God, cause us to have a faith that says we will follow You no matter what. Give us a faith that's full of hope, overflowing, and Lord, that that might hope that, hope that it might be spread to others who are without hope in this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's worship together.